electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber as the morning off. S&P 500 is still up for the week, but it is going to be tight as futures are wobbly here following the jobs number for April. 428,000 is ahead of estimates. Wages up three-tenths. That is a slight miss. We're going to start with the market's wild ride a day after that major sell-off resulting in the Dow dropping more than 1,000 points and the Nasdaq falling almost 5%. Yesterday's moves erasing the big gains from Wednesday's Fed-fueled rally. As we said, keep in mind the Dow and the S&P are slightly higher for the week. S&P, Jim, needs 41.32 to end uh, what would be a four-week loss. Well, yesterday I think a couple things happened. One is, is that I think that there were some people who just got blown out. Large accounts. We have to remember that when you see the market continue to go down after two o'clock, when you're supposed to like try last chance for collateral, that usually means that there are brokers who are just saying, "Okay, listen, you didn't bring, you didn't put more money in. Well, we're selling. We're selling everything you own. Now, when you're when you get that, you're not selling companies that are high yielding companies that are doing well. Like I have Semper Energy on tonight. You're selling HubSpot. You're selling Bill. Uh, you're selling Shopify. You're selling Coinbase. These stocks have come down so much that if you bought them on margin, then you're done. I mean, yesterday was a done day. And we used to see a lot of these in 2008, 2009. Whoever owned those stocks and borrowed, they're finished. They, they're now off. And I think people have to recognize that there is a big cohort of people who own nothing but those stocks because those were the beat and raise stocks. And this was the end of beat and raise. It just doesn't matter anymore. It's so funny because when I look at it, no, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that word. I don't mean it's funny. But when I look at Bill or HubSpot, those are the two principal ones that you have to watch. They reported numbers that before November would send their stocks flying upwards. But after November, crush their stocks. And they're going to be crushed again today with numbers that, that weren't as bad. The losses weren't as bad as expected. That no longer works. It doesn't work. Right. Although there are some this morning that are trading relatively well uh, after results. Dash is up. Block is up. Well, DraftKings is up. But Block made money. It, it made, you know, gross profit $1.3 Revenue uh, missed, though. No, revenue missed, but they made, they made money. And the cash app generated profit of $624 million. That's a real company. Now, DoorDash, that's a tougher one. Because when you're coming out with numbers that are based on the number of people that you serve, I don't want that. I mean, that's, that was not what I wanted to see from DoorDash. I don't know whether that stock will be up at the end of the day. Uh, it certainly uh, was up five when, the, when they first reported. But here, they, you know, when they start off by saying we had four, 400 million total orders, that's old style. Right. That's pre-November. Okay, I, the door pass members at, uh, at record high. That's pre-November. Pre-November, that stuff worked. Ever since the Fed said that it was going to tighten, none of these things works. 
So, you know, if you're in that stock, you're door dashing with Tony Shu, you says, you know, he's doing a good job. Terrific. I don't want to own the stock, but he's doing a good job. I mean, I'm not talking about Fubo here. I mean, which is a $3 stock that people are starting to downgrade uh, because content costs are more than subscriber revenue. I am saying there are real companies, nor context logic, by the way, which uh, only had a $0.06 cent loss. People are looking for a $0.14 cent loss. Those, these are all real companies. But the amount of money that they're losing makes you worry. I had Shopify on last night. Harley Ficklesey, that is a fabulous company. And they made a very big acquisition, doing it right to the second biggest after Amazon. But they're not doing well because they're not making money. So are you of the mind that uh, when it comes to tech selling, I mean, this B of A note this morning, looking at the NYSE composite, gym, and now everybody's looking at the 100 weekly right. moving average, looking at past recessions and crises, I mean, it breaks below hard. And we're basically there now, getting, right. getting to that line. So what you want to do and what worked when it broke in 2007, 2009, was to look for companies that had decent, decent yields, good dividends, that then became accidental high yielders. I used to call them AYHs. Companies whose stocks have come down so much that, they're, that they have a great yield. Uh, so you want to look for those for protection. Uh, you need protection in this market because the 10-year is what's calling the tune. And it makes a ton of sense to short the 10-year. Now, I used to short bonds. It's a very dangerous thing because obviously you owe a coupon. But what the, between the Bank of, of England and the Fed taking off to the 75, yep. what they're basically saying is we're going to let that, the 10-year or the 30-year float. And, and they can't be any, anywhere near these levels when you have an unemployment number like this. This unemployment number is smoking. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know there are people who are trying to say, oh, well, you know, it's a little bit less. But it's, oh, jeez. This is the kind of number that Jay Powell says, why did I say that about the 75? Yeah, there was why a lot. Why did I do that? There was a lot of that discussion on Wednesday night. I'm why surprised. would he? Um, because of what happened uh, on Thursday. And that was Jay's, I mean, you know, I've been liking Jay. That was his first real mistake when it came to this. I know people say he started too late, but remember, I'm of the opinion that he was like President Xi, President for Life Xi, who was thought that Omicron was going to be bad and then doesn't want to back down. And it's sticking with the Omicron well, ban. We, we're going to get to the jobs number, but we did say average hourly earnings three tenths. We were looking for four tenths, and prior was four. If CPI ratifies his view, he could look smart next Wednesday. He could, but we need a new pool of talent. Uh, let, let's take their engineers are going to be laid off everywhere because all the companies that I just described have a huge number of engineers. So you take a look at a company like Facebook or Metaverse. They have the pick of the best senior engineers who are being laid off everywhere, and they are being laid off, so they don't need to hire junior engineers. But most of the companies that I'm talking about, not, they're not going to be hiring. They're going to be firing because they have no access to the capital markets to be able to, to bring to get more money in as they kept losing because they thought that that's what the market people wanted. them. Like I used to bring these guys on. I say, you're losing a ton of money. Don't you know the market wants us to grow, so we have to lose? No. Now the market wants them to make money. And they're not set up to do that. I don't know if HubSpot is set up to do that. I mean, you look at what these companies, I'm picking on them because they sell at outrageous multiples, but a lot of these companies are, you know, here's the definition of HubSpot. Cloud-based marketing and sales platform. Well, you know, we have 20 of those. And we including one called Salesforce. So these companies are duplicative. I looked at Bill.com. They digitize your back office. They're expensive. They, but they have hundreds of thousands of accounts, but they don't make any money. Um, toast. I mean, yes, I mean, it was a terrible name. 
But I mean, they, I, I, I know the product well. And, and you know, candidly, there's a guy, I got a guy who came in uh, at Bar San Miguel, which I had to give up because I'm not a liquor company and a bar. But they said, rip that out. Rip that out. We'll give it you a point of sale system. Well, what, what's the cost? No, just rip out. We'll take it. I mean, what kind of business is that when they don't even want to charge you? Right. So, and what I don't hear you saying is that, although it sounds like you're looking for consolidation in cloud and consolidation in fintech, that these players won't be the benefits well, beneficiaries of M&A? Well, they might be, but when you look at, again, I'm sorry because I like these companies very much, but a lot of these companies, like HubSpot, even after this decline, is a $15 billion company. Now, they... They, I, I, you know, they were supposed to do 241 consensus next year, and they're going to do 240, 242. Well, that's a disaster. Everyone wanted them to do 260. I mean, this was the, the what we saw in this market was everybody, well, this was the losers. Jesus, this was the losers. What we saw in this market yesterday is the beginning of the denouement that started in November. So what you want to do is you want to look at where stock was January 3rd of 2020, well before the pandemic. Then you want to look at Why where, January 3rd? Because pre, pre-pandemic, so you want to get All right, judgment. so you're getting ahead of, ahead of the March right. collapse. So you take a Shopify, uh, which is a really good example because it happens to be an unbelievably good company. So you take a look at Shopify, and it was, uh, it was at around, around, around 400 before the pandemic. Then it went to 1,684 in November, and now it's back to 400. Makes sense. I mean, when I talked to Harley Finkelstein, who's the president, he said, look, the trend line, we're back on the trend line. But the trend line makes it so that you lost 1,200 points. Now, whoever lost 1,200 points is not here today. They're doing something else. I don't know what it is that they're doing, but they're not owning stocks because they don't have any money left. You you did talk to Harley last night on Mad Money, and he talked about... Being a, a pre-pandemic story, then a pandemic story, and what's come since. Take a listen. I think we were a pandemic story, but we have very much transitioned to a reopening story as retail and commerce rebalances. And the proof of that is that our total point of sale GMV grew at nearly 80% this past quarter. And our physical retail offering continues to gain a real market share globally. And so the trust that we built with merchants during the pandemic, we are now using that to help them take other solutions. And those that came online now want to use this for offline as well. That sounds good, unless you're a really bearish consumer. Yeah, I, I think that people don't want to do as much e-commerce. But more importantly, what... Harley's lever two is new companies that need the back office. Uh, they're, they're number two. Correctly, I think they don't want anyone to come between them and Amazon. They are, the, they are excellent at what they do. They're great at fulfillment. But do I want to own the stock? Well, I don't know. When it, gets, when it comes down from being, uh, what, a $40 billion company? I mean, it's just still too big. Yeah. Yeah. It's still too big. And, you know, when you get a company, I mean, think about this. You're Adobe, all right? And you want very much. Shopify would be great for Adobe. It would really be great. But it's a $51 billion company. So Adobe would have to pay, say, 65 And Shopify is a crown jewel of Canada. But they can't do that. Now, if that stock were to go to 100 where it was when I owned it for my travel trust, uh, then Adobe will call them. Adobe will call them and say, listen, we'll offer, when they when say 20 million, we'll offer 30 million. 
30 billion. I mean, 20 billion, 30 billion. Right. But, you know, this is very high. This is a $51 billion company. Yeah. It was uh, number two in some of the Canadian ETFs. I think the weighting has fallen to maybe somewhere in the top 15, uh, but still a <laughs> relatively high number. Right, but you know, when you look at Etsy, which did not have good things to say, and you look at, you look at Amazon. Well, look at Under Armour this morning, or even Wayfair to oh, some man, degree. All right, so when you start, I'm so glad you mentioned Under Armour, because Under Armour did what J-Pound needs to hear. Too much inventory, canceling orders. You need to see that everywhere. You need to see the housing stocks, those companies saying, we are not building any more homes right now because rates went too high. That's when J-Pal wins. But the fact is, is that when he put 70, no 75, it, it, no interim meeting, then what he did was make it so that we're not cooling it fast enough. And if we don't cool it fast enough, then we're just going to run away inflation. Right. By the way, uh, we are going to get half a dozen Fed speakers today as the blackout window reopens. Uh, Bullard is late tonight, but is he the key, given his reputation? Oh, he's doing it again. Remember when he did that Friday night thing on, like, XM radio? And I got so angry at him. I said, listen, that's not, <laughs> that's not a place of decision. But you know what? He's best in show. Bullard? Yeah. We'll see what he says he's at, at, at 7.15. You no, know, I might disagree with him. Madam, he's really smart, and Jay has to listen to Bullard. And Jay would never have taken the 75 off the table. Right. He, he hurt the cause. Right. Uh, we'll talk a lot more about uh, a busy day uh, in Fed land. Of course, you saw the 10-year, 312 this morning. We'll get further into the jobs number and a ton of uh, earnings to get to, including uh, Cigna and Zillow Group and DraftKings and a lot more. There's a look at futures. Don't go away. Every day. Thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Futures are moving lower this morning after yesterday's sell-off. Let's get to Bob Bassani with uh, NASDAQ futures down, I think, almost 1% here, Bob. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of uh, the market's just in a terrible mood. Uh, we had a good 
uh, jobs report. Uh, if you want to think of, are you worried about slowing jobs? No, it was the numbers were in line with expectations, maybe even a little bit above. Are we concerned about inflation? Well, average hourly earnings, uh, 5.5%. That was about in line with expectations year over year. So the report itself was fine. It's just the market's in a terrible mood. Take a look at the futures. Carl's right. We were at 41.26 when the jobs report came out. We went up to 41.50. Uh, Nice move up. And then we just sort of sold right into the modest little rally. That's is it. Sell rallies is sort of the, uh, the general mantra that we've had. So what's the risk to markets right now? What's the two biggest risks to the markets right now? Number one is that inflation is going to remain at persistently high levels. It doesn't have to keep going up. It just has to remain at persistently high levels. And then you start getting margin erosion with a lot of companies. That's one concern. The other big concern is that the earnings estimates are going to come down. You might think, oh, well, we're already doing that, right? That's what we're doing with reducing the, the stock market numbers coming down. No, the earnings estimates aren't really coming down. What we're seeing is a multiple compression, and that's a slightly different phenomenon. I've been saying this for several weeks. Just take a look. The three things that move stocks are one, dividends. Number two, earnings expectations. Are they going up or are they going down? And number three is the multiple. And what we've been seeing re here is a multiple reduction. The multiple is what you're willing to pay for a future stream of earnings. It goes down when interest rates go up and when economic outlook deteriorates. And that's what we've seen so far this year. The dividend is still eh, one, one and a half percent for the S&P. We're actually seeing higher numbers for, for earnings growth this year than we saw in January 1st. We're expecting seven, eight, nine percent earnings growth this year. That's two or three percent higher in the beginning of the year. So earnings numbers are going up and it's the multiple that's going down. You put these three numbers together, add it together. It's down 13. That's about what the S&P 500 is down this year. You see this works, this kind of calculation. So the worry here is that earnings may be the next leg to drop because the analysts are behind the curve on this. And that's the concern that we've got right now. There's just for earnings now, we're most of the way through earnings season. The concept here is peak everything. Just like we saw peak streaming with Netflix, there's been speculation that this summer is going to be peak travel. These numbers are off the charts for the bookings. So now we're seeing it with peak real estate. Zillow today. Take a look at Zillow and what's going on here. They made it very clear, Zillow did. They had good numbers, by the way. Made it very clear. Higher mortgage rates and very low inventory for sale for homes is going to slow activity down. That's peak real estate. Remember, Zillow hit $200 in February 2021, and now it's essentially back to where it was 2018, 2019, even the middle of 2020. That's a round trip. You see that chart right there? The other concept, here's something very dear to my heart, peak concerts. Did you see Live Nation? This is the company that owns Ticketmasters. Incredible numbers from them. Absolutely. The people are going to concerts and paying anything at all. 70 million tickets sold in 2020 through April. They sold 98 million in 2019. Those are phenomenal numbers. Concert bookings are up 44%. This is compared to 2019, and we're only through April so far. Fan revenue, 30% higher than in 2019. Boy, do I know that, Carl, because I'm going out buying tickets. And let me tell you, I can't believe the prices. So I'm estimating that this also is peak concert as well. People are eventually going to start pushing back against these high prices. However, yeah. I am going to see the Who at Madison Square Garden, Carl, being an old school guy. We'll all sit there and we'll wave our canes in the air. The wheelchairs will rush the stage and we'll try to light our Bic lighters and our Depends will catch fire. Oh, no. Jeez. Oh, we're going to go God, because we love info. rock and roll. No. As long as Daltrey's voice <laughs> holds you, up, Bob. Hope which it to has. See you there. Which it has.
Bob Pisani. But Bob's so right. Okay. I mean, look, we used to value companies at set time sales. So HubSpot was great at seven times sales, but it's 141 times earnings. Okay. We don't, now we've, we've switched, right? We used to look at Snowflake and say, well, you know what? It, if you look at it times sales, it's it could be six times the out years. Uh, now it's a thousand times the earnings. I mean, we've switched. We've looked toward. We were looking at sales, and that was fine if they sold at seven, eight, nine, and Snowflake goes fast. We pay high multiple for it, and now we're looking at earnings. And when you look at earnings, the stocks are overvalued. I mean, they're making money. We look at HubSpot. It's not their fault. Making money, but it's at 141 times earnings. We can't rationalize it. We're looking for companies that sell below 19 times earnings with good dividends, and those exist. But a lot of them tend to be in the oil patch. Yep. And oil's making people a lot of money. So is natural gas. But as they're waiting, still nowhere near where tech. I, I although the, that gap is closing a little bit. Yeah, um, we, for my child trust, we have an eight, and we want to get to twelve. Twelve. Yeah, we want to get to twelve. And, and does well, tech have to suffer as a result in terms of a wait? Well, it, I, I just there's nobody makes a lot of. I mean, these guys are the only guys who are making money. I mean, where the, the earnings estimates are going up. And there isn't anything on the horizon when you listen to any people come on air, which looks like that oil's going to go down. I mean, we're trying to keep oil down from this from cheap petroleum reserve. Russia's being taken off the market. Where's the oil coming from? Yep. The only place you can have it, Saudi Arabia has a million per day that it could put in, but they're not. Uh, in Pioneer's not. comments this week about... Scott Sheffield, I don't yeah, know if we have that. I, I think we God. do. Uh, do we have uh, what He's Pioneer so good, said Scott. the other day? Um, by the way, we should mention NatGas... Got close to nine this oh morning. Uh, diesel, retail diesel, 550 for the first time. Up year on year, 78%. The diesel inventories are uh, disturbing. Plain jet fuel, disturbing. I mean, the, one of the large positions we have is Kotara. And people don't know Kotara because that's a merger of Cimarex and cabin oil and gas. 50% natural gas. Take a look at that stock yesterday. It was do- fabulous. And who's going to be the answer? to uh, the natural gas problem of Europe. It's going to be the United States. I have Semper on tonight. I want to talk to him about that. Jeez, look at that stuff. Um, look, you, you can't, if you own a company that you've been valuing on sales, hoping that nine times sales is okay, you're going to lose money. So sell that stuff. Sell it. Price to sales is done. It doesn't, yeah. It's done. Just sell that. Go put your money in some of these really solid companies, of which there are many. I mean, S&P's up uh, we'll talk more about that after the break. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash and countdown to the opening bell as we did get a little bit of relief in futures after the jobs number came in relatively strong and uh, average hourly earnings were a bit light, but giving some of that back right now. Opening bell in about seven minutes. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. 
Let's get to Kramer's mad dash ahead of the opening bell. Here, this is the conundrum that has faced a lot of investors, DraftKings. Now, they did much better than I thought. Jason Robbins is terrific. She's revenues $1.93 billion to $2.03 billion. People are looking for uh, far lower than that, okay? But here's interesting. The gap, the gap net loss is down big, okay? Sells at, at four times sales, at, but losing money. So how do you value it? Do you value it as last man standing? Do you value it as a company that is going to be uh, growing so fast that you don't need to worry about the losses? So when you speak to him, he'll, he'll tell you, because he is very good, he got, he's got $2 billion in cash. He can wait it out. He's got the best app. So what do you pay for it? The stock's at 15. It, it had been 63. It is so tough. And one of the things that's great about Jay, he's very self-effacing. He's not going to tell you, hey, you know, the bottom's right here. What he's going to tell you is he has enough money to win. And so at a certain point, you want to own DraftKings. Uh, I just don't know what the point is. Um, And remember, you know, you're starting to talk about companies where they're they're close. They they may make money a couple years from now. But no longer, people don't want that anymore. So, I mean, I, I think that this is a great example of a company that is fabulously run, right. that is doing everything right in a market where there's incredible competition, and I don't know whether I want to own that stock or not. You haven't made up your mind. No. They did I, tweak up their revenue guide, well, I mean, but very little for the year. But at the same time, if you believe in gambling, I mean, I like a company called Supergroup that's run by uh, Eric Grubman, my new from Goldman. But, you know, if you believe in gambling, then you should buy DraftKings. If you think it's going to take every single state and that there's no doubt about it, they're the winner, then you buy DraftKings. I don't know. I don't, you know, it's a four times sales. Remember, I want things that are by earnings and it's going to lose money in 2024. Unless he comes on here and says, you know what? We have now put pen to paper and instead of thinking that we're going to lose $2.25 in 2023, we're going to break even and in 2024 we're going to make money. Then you're, you're going to wish you bought the stock. But if he doesn't say that, how do I value it? Right. I'm not going to value any company's time sales anymore. It's not working. Although maybe part of that, I mean, would be appearances saying we're going to slow down our hiring, like some of these memos have See indicated that, Meta's thinking. Now that? Now, Mark Zuckerberg is smart. Yeah. He can hire 100 junior engineers, or he can hire 10 senior engineers. He's worried not about losing money. He's worried about getting the best talent. There are a lot of other companies that have to just try to figure out. I mean, the Zillow call, Bob was so right. Bob was also really funny. The Depends thing, I didn't know. I always thought that he was okay there. You never know. You see, that's the great thing about Depends. It comes in a, in a box that there's no label Very on discreet. it. But when you, when you look at, at, at what, what Bob's talking about with some of these companies, I have no idea. Like, Zillow starts the call. I don't know if you're on the Zillow call. Uh, yeah. But they started the call by saying that uh, we, so we, while we know people are still eager to move, oh, that's good, market conditions are making it increasingly difficult. The net result of all of these factors is the total consumer transaction value and growth trends are meaningfully softening. Wait a second. I thought that the housing market was good. Well, web traffic to, to the app and to the website, down five right. year on year. They did add to the buyback. Right, they did, but this is now Jay needs that. Jay needs to push this over. But maybe that means 7% mortgage rates. Maybe the 10-year maybe the goes to 4 
20-year goes higher, and you get a 7% mortgage, and then Jay pools it. Uh, they stop building homes. We start getting less inflation. Remember, the average home is up 25% year over year. That is not sustainable. They should not let that happen. That's just too much yeah. for markets. Yeah. By the way, the supply of existing homes near a record low. And if you've locked in, why would you move and, and jeopardize that, right? No. Uh, by the way, there's the opening bell. Obviously, breath no good today. We're back to 4126 at the big board, the American Swiss Foundation, celebrating its 77th anniversary at the Nasdaq, celebrating an IPO, PepGen, a biotech focused on treating of neuromuscular and neurological. Good to see some biotech, even though I think that, that they're very hard to buy. They're speculative. But there's been very few biotech and therefore very few innovations. Well, most of these innovations come from biotech. And what you're hoping is that the ones from 2000, 2020, 2021, you start seeing them be bought by a Glaxo looking for growth. Uh, because they're not, this is not the market for them, but it might be the market for the big drug companies to start right. doing some buy. By, by the way, uh, we'll keep our eye on, for example, J&J on some of these new restrictions yeah. uh, out of uh, Washington. Uh, now, there's an opportunity. J&J, AAA balance yep. sheet, they're going to split into three. They had a problem with, with their vaccine. Uh, but that's the kind of company I want to buy today. I want to buy that. Pristine balance sheet. I want to buy J&J. Let it come in, buy it. That's what you buy. That's a great American company that makes things, do stuff, gives you good dividend, gives you a lot of money back, and doesn't sell it at an, un, uh, at an unreasonable price. It's not hard. Now, you say the chart looks bad. Okay, so you buy some at 176, then you wait to 170, and get to 165. All it does is just give you a, a bigger yield, so to speak. But they're splitting into three companies. The split is going quite well. All three divisions are doing well, and that's being brought down by the tenure, but that's a bargain. Right. It's not the worst performing Dow component because that one would be Nike, I assume, on the Under Armour. The Under Armour was Halo. The Under Armour was devastating. You know, it was you know, looking for six cents or one cent. I mean, Under Armour's devastating because you, you look at this is the beginning of the we have too much inventory. How many retailers are going to be saying we have too much inventory now that we know that the Jeez, these e-commerce companies all have too much inventory. Right, and it's not being helped by President Xi, who, oh. according to the FT, doubling down on anyone who resists their COVID, their zero-tolerance policy, with no sign really that it's having any impact. None. And then uh, the scientists I to speak to say, given Omicron, you can... I mean, look, remember what happened with me with Omicron? I came in here, I tested negative in the morning, uh, and that a PCR test at 11... I tested negative, and at five, I got it. I tested positive. Right. How do you stop that if you're President Xi? The answer is can't. Just give everybody a vaccine that works and make sure that they stay home for a couple of days, and, or even if they give it to people, it's going to be mild. I got my fourth Moderna yesterday. I'm reading the rules. It says that I should get it. Right. In, in China, if you go out and you're tested in the morning and you're fine and you go into a factory, you could infect the factory because you can get it in the afternoon. They don't tell you that. But I got it. I mean, it was unbelievable that I got it. Yeah. I didn't have it, then I got it. By the way, cases in New York City up 32% in 10 days. So we're going we're gonna to watch it get here. Get your vaccine and you might not even know that you're sick. Yeah. Now that said, Tesla, according to uh, Bloomberg, is going to start looking at adding a double shift in Shanghai. So they're making it work with obviously a lot of government support. Well, they are... Um they're amazing. And if you look at what Kathy Wood owns, legendary Kathy Wood, Woodstock, Tesla is her company. Because look at the other companies. You know, she bought a lot of Shopify yesterday. 
She bought a lot of, right into the destruction. She bought a lot of Coinbase right into destruction. Bloomberg, good piece about how their NFT platform attracted uh, like 100 people. Uh, she bought Roku. I mean, that, that's certainly counter because of streaming. Uh, she bought some Zoom. Keeps selling the Twitter. I don't know. Maybe that was a good call. Uh, but she sold a lot of Zillow. Now you look at it and you say, wow, she got out of Zillow. But what she getting? She got into Robinhood, but most of you are already in there. She's buying all the companies that I say, that I'm saying, I don't know what to do because I don't know the value of them. But she would say innovation's on sale. But, you know, so are Under Armour sneakers. Well, she's, she also argues we're headed for deflation. Deflation. Right. Yeah, she's in the deflationary yes. mode. Right. right. Um, if the Fed were to say 75 is on the table, she might win. But the. How long, how long can you say you're headed for deflationary when we're still inflationary? And the answer is until you run out of money. But as she would say, it's an ETF. I don't have to worry. Right. I'm glad you mentioned Coinbase uh, because Coin and MicroStrategy were down double digits pre-market. Not that bad at the moment. But really? it does, does Bitcoin need to suffer other the way others in the COVID bubble, the TMT well, bubble, have. Well, we found, we thought that Bitcoin was a great hedge to inflation. It turns out that Bitcoin is super NASDAQ. Now, Mike Novogratz, my love, he's a terrific guy. Uh, you know, talk, he's been very right, made a lot of money on this. But the fact is, it's trading with the NASDAQ. I don't think you can disagree with the correlation. Oh, yeah, it's almost one. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were hiding in it, and by the way, if you look at, at how many, at what people are doing uh, at, at Robinhood, how many people are opening? Look at Square. I mean, Square, which again, had a good number and is a very, very well-run company. They had remarkable numbers of people buying crypto. Just remarkable. And well, I mean, good luck, I guess. I mean, good luck there. Right. They bought a lot of millions of people. I don't know. A lot of people buying Lucids, too. Adam Jonas doesn't like that. Uh, Lucids? Yeah. Uh, with uh, a price hike coming in June, according yeah. to some reports. It, 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 yeah. there were ten, by the way, 10 million uh, accounts bought Bitcoin in, in, uh, uh, in Block. It's no longer Square. All right, so uh, Adam Jonas might call Lenny Bruce because he's so ironic. He doesn't like Lucid. And he's saying that uh, there's... My God, this is so 2000. No, and not him. He's because he doesn't like Lucid. Right. Reservation momentum. Well, there you go. This is time. It's the, what's, the price to, what's the price to reservation momentum? And this is when you have to say to yourself, you know what? The world's you know, really very rocky. But what does have to, that have to do with the price to earnings ratio of Bristol Myers, which is up today? And the answer is nothing. Yeah. By the yeah. way, uh, S&P now below 4,100. Um, so obviously, we were, are below yesterday's intraday low, Jim, uh, of 4,106. Well, it's perilous, but it's early. Uh, market's getting very oversold. I think you can, like I said, you can buy the companies that are accidental high yielders, that have great businesses, that are making money, that you can value. Those are not a problem. You might not, this might, may not be your first buy. At this point, would, is it, would you say a sub 4K print is inevitable? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that's where well, Mike Wilson's been for a while now. Yeah, well, look, Mike, you know, Mike, Mike would have been wrong had Jay Powell said, you know what? The numbers are too hot. We're going to do 100. 
get that, yeah, get that out of the way. We're just, I'm listening to Bullard. Bullard says 75. Well, 1994. You got it out of the way. But remember, 1994, which is what everyone's using, and I made a lot of money in 1994. And the way I did was to short, and then when they got up to the high, went long. And that's 94. That's exactly what you have to do right, here. Right. Short and then go long after they go up to where it's cool. Jim, let's get to the jobs number. As we said earlier, Labor Department says job growth accelerated by 428,000 in April. That was more than expected. Joining us from the White House, uh, first reaction from the Biden administration is Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. Mr. Secretary, good to see you again. Thank you for having me today. Uh, good number, 12 months above 400K. Everybody's celebrating that. Still a lot of head scratchers, though, on why average hourly earnings came in a little bit light. Um, any thoughts? No, I mean, I think that we've seen good job growth throughout this year. Uh, I mean, sorry, good wage growth throughout this year. I can't really specify on, on a one-month period why that number dipped. I think it was two-tenths of a percent. Uh, but overall, we're very happy, very pleased with this report. Clearly, we're looking to the future, and I, I don't think that this, is, this kind of momentum won't be able to keep going as far as, as, far as we're going to go back to some type of normal reporting and no, normal economy eventually here. Uh, with the growth gain, but we're seeing it in in the manufacturing sector. We saw some great growth. We're very happy about that. We saw some good growth in retail as well, not just the the, the commerce side or the online side. We saw it in, in the stores. So, I mean, there's a lot of good things in this report, but clearly we know that there's still uh, much work to be done as we continue to, to move forward here. The other head scratcher is, is labor force participation which we were beginning to see some signs of momentum. It made sense that labor supply was improving, but we came in light there as well. What do you think? Yeah, you know, we, we talked about that this morning. You know, this is, I think, the first time since May of last year we saw that number go down. So, obviously, we, we, I asked for a deeper dive in to look at those numbers to see if, if there's specific regions of this country that we're seeing participation lower than others. Clearly, in the, in the hospitality area, we saw a little less participation that we would have liked. That's, that, that, that region is not, that area is not fully covered yet. Uh, but again, you know, when you look at these reports, it's hard to go month by month and really, really panic. I wouldn't say panic. Panic's too strong of a word. Uh, be as concerned about it. This is a kind of a long-term uh, recovery or, or, or rebuilding of America. Ninety-five percent of the pre-pandemic workforce is back to work. So that's a, that's a positive sign. Mr. Secretary, look, in another time, this would have been an absolutely great set of numbers, but. I am now in the camp that the working person is beginning to get hurt by inflation pretty badly. And I don't know how else to get that inflation down other than make it so the economy slows. Is there another solution that you have to make it so the working person doesn't get hurt by inflation? No, I, you know, listen, I, I can't disagree with what you just said. I, I think that at the kitchen tables all across America, one of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issue in every household, is inflation. It's the cost of gas. It's the cost of food. It's the cost of everything that they have today. Uh, we all know, I can try and spin this, we all know why it's happened because of the pandemic supply chain issues. But the president has been laser focused. He's going to Ohio today uh, to talk about, uh, about creating more opportunities for manufacturing, to do more supply and more building here in America, be more dependent on America. That will help us long term. The short term issues, we're working at this at a whole bunch of different pieces. We're working, you know, the Fed's working on it. The president supports the Fed policies. One issue I hope that I wish Congress would support the president's slate that, that's going to be, be appointed at the Federal Reserve. Uh, we're working on supply chain questions. We're, you know, doing everything we can within our power. Uh, this is, and this is not, you, you'll talk about this all day today. This isn't just an American issue. This is a global issue with inflation. Yes, we're a little higher than other parts of the country. But again, we're also more dependent on, on foreign imports, which we, we shouldn't be. 
Well, Mr. Director, let, let's take an industry that punches well above its weight that I think you and I know, the American dream, owning a house. Uh, housing prices have gone up 25% year over year. Uh, and now, obviously, mortgage rates are going up. Is it, is it uh, not uh, ironic that we actually need to see housing cool off so that Americans can afford to buy a house again? And yet, to do that, it would require layoffs and slowdown in housing. And how do you deal with this really difficult balancing act? Well, I think there's another way of obviously bringing housing prices down, and that's increasing supply because the demand is there. And I certainly know that in my former job, one of the things that we had was, was pressures on people being able to buy a home, particularly first-time homeowners. They weren't able to, they were being priced out of communities and neighborhoods all across Boston. It's happening all across the country. And quite honestly, as a nation, we haven't made a major investment in housing in, in a long time. And now's the time to think about reevaluating that and making major investments in housing, not just on government housing, but also making private sector housing and that would that would take us all to go around the country to look at our, look at our zoning laws and look at all the different laws I know when I was the mayor we put together a plan to create 69,000 units of new housing by the year 2030 that number started at 52,000 and we quickly shattered that number so th th that's a supply a lot of that is a supply and demand issue but uh, the big home builders would tell you that they're giving her all she got you mentioned the zoning regulations that would allow them to put up more but most of the big home builders, they're doing everything they can, but they can't finish the homes because they're selling homes that don't have dishwashers and don't have washing machines because they have supply chain problems. I mean, it is a curious conundrum that well, you that's need today. housing that's, to slow down. That's today. The supply chain issues are today. But back three years ago, we would we would try, you know, we didn't have, there wasn't good housing policies in this country enough across the country in cities and towns and governments all across the country. And part of that is a federal government issue. Part of that's also a local issue. When, when you thought about pre-pandemic, the amount of people that were moving into urban America, the numbers were the, probably the highest in the history of our country for the Well, maybe not since the beginning, but in, in a long time. And, and that trend right. still continues today. So we need, we need to really think about housing policies that work so we can create opportunities for moderate, low, middle-income housing. Those are the issues in the spaces that, that we really need to think about. That, that's a potential crisis that is not caused by this administration. That has been a lack of housing policy for a long time in this country. Mr. Very Secretary, coaching. yeah, appreciate it very much uh, talking both uh, the job market and housing and how the two obviously are related. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Meantime, recession fears continue to mount and rock the market. This is what uh, legendary investor Lee Cooperman had to say yesterday on overtime. I don't think we'll have a recession in 2022, but I think there's a chance we can have a recession in 2023. And uh, recession is typically are preceded by bear markets. And you're seeing a lot of the market now, home builders and the banks and credit sensitive stocks acting very poorly. So I think it's a time for caution. My 68% exposure is uh, recognizing that I'm basically a taxable investor. I don't go in and out. I try to protect my basis. Reminds us of what B of A told us this morning. There have been 19 bear markets in the last century and a half. Right. Average decline, 37. Right. Average duration, almost 300 days. Right. And well, you got to go read uh, the great Peter Lynch, who says, look, in those times, you can't run out. Uh, you don't know when these things are really going to end. You have to just ride through. He performed better than everybody when he ran the Magellan Fund. So I, I'm not telling people I, I did a very long club talk yesterday where I said, listen, the get out now crowd, that's wrong. The reposition to companies that are going to make it through this period, but buying them slowly is right. 
uh, Nay said, well, you buy them to a bear market. Lee might might say that, but I think Lee is all the time looking for companies that have a good yield, that can pay that yield, that are a good balance sheet and doing well. Uh, And that's that's imperative. And that's what Peter Lynch would do. And I urge people, there was a great interview with him. Uh, He's done so much charity work at at BC where he went. And what he's been saying is, look, you have to ride through, but ride through with some cash and don't get your head blown off. Don't do don't buy the companies that I've been saying. Look, I went to I went to Walgreens yesterday. I don't recommend the stock Walgreens to get my my vaccine. I had gone to CVS before, and CVS was so built for this that I felt like to buy other stuff when I was at CVS. And CVS has Aetna, and CVS is a very good stock here. That that stock was a very bad stock until the uh, until yep. COVID. Yep. But you know, you want to look for things like that, and you want to look for oil. You want to look for companies we've all heard of. Would you throw Cigna in there? Speaking Cigna of healthcare today, Cigna had a great quarter. Nice beat. Raise the guys. That's a great business for when you're about to have a slowdown. That's a great business. You still have to pay them a lot of money. I mean, when you get your when you go get your vaccine, they ask for your healthcare card. I mean, it looks like a bargain for you, but remember, it's, it's not a bargain. They right. make a lot of money. Well, you think about uh, Cigna and um, things people need versus a Wayfair today, Jim. Down almost 13. See, I have no, the, the, what's the raison d'etre for Wayfair? I mean, you, you know, it, it, that was a great stock when you were stuck at home. But they're supposed to lose $2, $5 this year, $2.65 next year. They sell at, uh, well, I don't know. How do you, what, what's that company worth? If someone could tell me, I remember before the pandemic, they were restructuring, they were very worried, and then, you know, Wayfair, is, is a way for people to buy furniture yep. if they're staying at home. Or, and now it's done. We bought all the things we need. Well, uh, Peloton is one last story oh, in that club. As the journal says, they're looking for a minority investor. Maybe take a 15, 20% stake. It's not where you want to be. I think you want to be in Kimberly Clark. All costs could come down for them. Uh, Peloton down 12, uh, $15 uh, as they knew all time low. On what do you do with the Zoom video? Okay. I mean, they have a lot of money. They have earnings are coming down. Well, you let Kathy Wood buy it. You, you don't buy it. Uh, as a reminder, uh, Jim mentions the Investing Club. And, of course, you can always sign up and find out more at CNBC.com slash join the club. Uh, not just about the daily updates, but these meetings he has. Pretty incredible. Wow. Uh, use the Thank QR code if you need to. Before we go to break, we do want to check the bond report. Ten-year did get to 312, settling back just a little bit. But we got a full day of Fed speak happening all day. Williams just about now. Kashkari at 11 and Bullard tonight. Dow 30 heat map still got some components in the green, but uh, they are some of the usual suspects in this tape. Proctor, McDonald's, uh, Merck and Verizon. S&P, we didn't quite get to 4062, which would be new lows intraday for the year, but we're just about 15 points above that. We'll get stopped trading with Jim in a moment. It's time for Jim and stop trading. Here's the conundrum. JP Morgan has eight times earnings. Obviously, one of the best banks in the world. 3.2% yield. Uh, Will do the best other than Bank of America when the Fed keeps raising rates. But the Fed has to raise rates faster for them, and you have to hope that the consumer doesn't get tapped out. But there's one that is very close. In 1994, you'd be saying, well, you know know what? If that goes down 10 more points, and I'm not being confused, goes down 10 more points, I have to buy some. And that's what I'm looking for. 
I'm looking for companies that can pay that dollar dividend per quarter, that are well managed, where I get, say, a three, three and three quarter, four yield and accidental high yielder. And that's what I want, does is lever to having short rates go up. So I don't want to give up. I mean, that's a really bad thing to get out now. But you have to reposition and you have to get out of the stocks that are selling at price to sales. Right. It's interesting. You know, we know May is historically weak or going yes. into weaker season. But typically, we've done pretty well coming out of the last couple of Fed meetings. Yes. Um, I don't think it's bad here. I think that some stocks are very bad. <laughs> but I don't think it's bad here. I mean, provided you're buying companies that are making stuff, doing things, out of profit, returning capital, the old days. You think that the tone of the market changes? I mean, earnings frequency is going to fall off a cliff next week. We won't get more than, say, no. nine a day. No, I mean, then we'll be able to go back and look. Uh, I do think that you're, you do need to be sure you got some yield, okay? Because uh, here's another one that I really like pretty soon. DuPont, 19 times earnings. That's a little too high. 2% yield. But the stock was at 80, 84. Now it's at 64. They've changed the company, made it much more... Uh, secular, less cyclical. You know, another four points at 60. Buy it. Just How about it. what's tonight? Okay, Sempra. I've got one you buy right now. Sempra is buy right now. They've got the best natural gas facilities, doing incredibly well. Here's a little, uh, little dice, MP materials, but they have the answer for uh, rare materials for GM, and they got a great deal. And then Sanjay Marosha, talk about who's on the, uh, on the hot seat. The semiconductors have been horrendous. I mean, Micron sells at seven times earlier. So just be aware, yield, all right, make stuff, does things, but you really do need some yield because this is a rough day. Uh, as we are approaching the intraday lows of the year, Jim, here, just a few points above. Oh, and every, I'm going to wish everyone good luck and happy Mother's Day. <laughs> you too. See you see on Monday. See you tonight Thank at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com.